There was a famous actor who was once the guest of, a, guest of honor of a social gathering and received many requests to recite favorite excerpts from various literary works. There was an old preacher who happened to be there and he asked the actor to recite the 23rd Psalm. So the actor agreed on the condition that the preacher would also recite it. The actor's recitation was beautiful in tone with great dramatic emphasis for which he received lengthy applause. The preacher's voice was rough and broken from many years of preaching and his diction was anything but polished. But when he finished, there was not a dry eye in the room and when someone asked the actor what made the difference, he replied, I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. We want to look at the spirit of the Father. Getting to know the the spirit of the Father as the shepherd. He certainly is that. And as we break down this psalm, it's a very familiar psalm. Last time we were together looking at this, we looked at Psalms 22. Those times that it seems like God's forgotten us. We're sometimes asked, inclined to ask God, did you forget me? But of course, God didn't forget us. And we looked at some of the things that were involved with that. But here, let's take a look at the the Spirit of the Father as the Shepherd. We'll read the psalm over first. And then we'll spend time on each verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know about you, but this is one psalm that I just have a hard time reading out of any other translation besides King James or New King James. It just sounds funny. But of course, they all have to to change certain words in order to be unique. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I think I've told this story to you before. But, you know, college for me was about 30 years ago. And you don't always remember everything from college. Of course, you remember some things. But uh, one of those preachers who came on through, because we had chapel every day at the school. And one of those preachers who came through, I still do not know his name. It was very impressive as he took on the 23rd Psalm, his his area of expertise was in Bible translation. They would talk about how they would go around and translate the Bible into the native language of where these places they go. And there were uh, areas where the language wasn't real widespread, so there uh, wasn't a whole lot of demand for it, but you had to find a way to, to bring that to them. And he said, there's this one group of people, they lived on an island. And the island was in the ocean, was, was in the sea, the ocean, and they really had uh, very little to relate to as far as this psalm was concerned. And so he was going over some of the problems that came up just in translating this psalm to show us some of the problems they have with translations overall. And he said, when you have here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, in this particular island, they don't have sheep. So if you don't have sheep, you don't have shepherds. The closest thing they had was goats. And so they would translate it, the Lord is my goat herder. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. 
Well, first thing, you know, you may be able to make a sheep lie down and make and lead a sheep to pastures, but not a goat. Goat has a mind of their own. And so you don't really um, uh, make them lay down. You'd have to, to beat them to get them to go down. And as far as leading them by the still waters, you don't lead a goat, you drag them. And so the translation would be, he drags me by the, the still waters, except they don't have any still waters there. Everything was oceans and so it was beaches so the translation would read he drags me along the beaches <laughs> kind of loses a little bit in the translation don't you think <laughs> and so he just went on verse by verse just going on through some of the things that he, they had problems with and that's just one of those things that just kind of lingered in my head <laughs> but the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters these are things that tell us what the shepherd is like. He is the good shepherd. In these first verses, we look at the Father's provision. The Father is a provider. Too often we interpret God in light of our circumstances. But we are never to interpret God in light of our circumstances. We are to interpret, interpret God in light of His Word, in light of what we know that He has said about Himself. So many times people have come into circumstances that they don't understand and they try to recreate God in an image that fits that. But the first thing we have is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How many times have we been led into the impression that God as our shepherd leads us in places where we are in want? Well, the Lord has me in want or... The Lord has not answered my need or the Lord has not answered my prayer or this hasn't come through because He's trying to teach me something. He's trying to, to, to take care of me over here and He's just, you know, giving me those times when I don't have things that I just depend on Him more. And it sounds all flowery and it sounds very religious and very good, except that's not the God that our Bible portrays. Even when Israel was led into the wilderness... And places where there wasn't things, God provided water, God provided food, God provided shade, God provided heat, God provided protection, God provided everything that they needed. Even though when they came first and saw that there was nothing there, they immediately went on that interpretation that everyone else had. Well, I guess God led us here to kill us. I guess God led us here to teach us a lesson. All these different things that would come along. Well, He is our provider. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now we also know that Paul has taught us in the New Testament that in every state that he was in to be content. And there's something about contentment in whatever state that we're in. But understand that God is the shepherd and He will provide what the sheep need. That is the job of the shepherd to observe the sheep and to figure out what it is that they need. Because sheep are not always the brightest of creatures and don't always uh, know what it is that they need. And yet to get in there and take care of it. How many of you ever had a pet animal or something like that? They don't always know the thing that they need. Some animals can be just downright stupid. And some of the things that they do and, and some of the things that they're about. But, well, you get out there and you understand what they need and you take care of them anyway. <clears throat> so first off, following the Spirit, following His Spirit, following where He goes, because the Lord is, is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's take a look at some of the things He will do as we follow His Spirit. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
What are green pastures to a sheep? Food. An abundance of food. It's not McDonald's. It's not the pizza joint. But that's not really where sheep eat. We eat there. But as far as the shepherd is concerned, he takes us over there. So following his shepherd leads us to food. It leads us to the things that we need to eat. He leads me by the still waters. Following his spirit leads to water. These are the things that we need. Things that you need in the natural. The shepherd is there to take care of. Understand this is the spirit of the Father. The spirit of the Father is to take care of the things that you need to eat. The spirit of the Father is to take care of the things you need to drink. In the natural area. And that's what Jesus taught us about that. If God is so concerned about birds and what they wear or what flowers wear, what birds eat, how much more is He concerned about you? That is the Spirit of the Father. He restores my soul. Following His Spirit leads to restoration. God is in the restoration business. He desires to lead us to places of restoration. When we go into a place and there isn't restoration, don't think that God is leading you there or that God is, is, is bringing you to that kind of a place. You can be in places and there seems to be no restoration and you can say, Father God, you said in your word that you are the shepherd and that you lead me to restoration. You restore my soul. I thank you, Father. I don't feel real restored right now, but you are the restorer of my soul. Just like Israel should have walked into the wilderness where there was no water and said, Our God will supply our need. We need to, to, to see that about God as well. He is the restorer of our soul. Well, let's go on and see what else he says about it. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Following his spirit leads me to right ways. He doesn't lead me to wrong ways. God doesn't lead us to to wrong directions. He leads us to right ways. How many times have we heard Christian people talk about somebody, well, I met this guy, I met this gal, I know they're not born again, I know they're not following after God, but I think God led me over here to be a good influence upon them and to bring them over. God leads us in paths of what? Righteousness. Well, God led me, I know this isn't exactly how the Bible teaches it, but I think God just has a special, has to go to a special ways in order to win this one over and I just need to listen to Him and follow after Him. God leads us in paths of right ways. Of righteousness. So simply evaluate wherever it is that we think we're going, whatever it is in front of us, God leads us in right ways. Is this the right way? Is this a path of righteousness? If it's not, it's not God. That's not God leading me over there. Just because you feel like it. Oh, I get so tired of people saying that. Well, I feel like God. Well, I feel like God's doing this. Well, what's the Word say? Well, I know the Word doesn't say that, but I really feel like God's... Stop being led by feelings. Understand this is His ways. This is what He does. He leads... His Spirit, following His Spirit, leads to right ways. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Following His Spirit leads to honoring Him. God will lead us to ways that will honor Him. Look at anything that you do. Will this honor God? No, I don't see how God's going to get honor out of this. God is not leading you there. 
But yeah, but I really feel like it doesn't matter. God is not leading you there. God will lead you in ways that will honor Him. 100% all the time, they will, it will honor Him. Not honor you or honor other people or bring dishonor. It will honor Him. So these are the things we need to understand about the Father's provision. These are what He has provided us. He will lead us to places where there's food. He will lead us to places where there's water. He will lead us to places where there's restoration. He will lead us in ways that are right ways. And He will lead us in ways that are honoring to Him. That will bring Him honor. These are the things He does. We can evaluate everything we do by that. He is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Understand, when God created this world, He created everything in it. And everything was created for a purpose, even sheep and thereby shepherds. God created sheep and shepherds for the purpose of showing us His Spirit and what He does. The same way that a shepherd cares for a sheep is the same way that God cares for us. Well, then He goes on. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many have ever been through a place that seems like the valley of the shadow of death? Oh, it just seems dark. I think I told you this story before, but when I was in uh, high school and I used to go to youth group, I used to run home from youth group. It was about a four-mile trek. And there was a, we would always be done late at night. We'd be done 11 o'clock at night, 11.30, so I'd be running home around then. And there's this one spot. It's uh, I forget the name of the road. It leads up to Route 63 and dumps out on Route 63. If you go by there now, you won't see it because they took all the trees down. But there's this one spot where it would dip down in the road and it would... You would go down the hill and then you would come back on up. It was like a little valley. And all these trees were around it. And even though it was late at night, you had the moon, you had the stars, and it would cast some light on it. But when you came down in this section, it went totally dark. You couldn't see a thing. It went so dark, I had to actually slow down to make sure I didn't hit anything on the way. Any branches that might be along. And you could actually feel the temperature change. The temperature drastically dropped when you went down into this, this section. I'm not sure exactly why it did, but I could always tell. I knew it was coming up. I said, oh, it's going to get colder. And sure enough, it did. You could just feel the temperature drop. And every time you go down in there, it just would get dark. And I would always think about this scripture every time I'm going through. Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow. I mean, it wasn't a scary place. It wasn't scary at all. It didn't have any, any scary things with it. But boy, you just would go down and darkness would just all around you. It only lasts for a little while. And then you come on back out the other side and then you're, you're out there. And the rest of it was pretty fun. Though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. How many times have we ever felt like death is all around us? Sometimes we just have that, you just circumstances of such that we just sometimes don't even desire to live anymore. I've talked with people before and they say, oh, I just don't even want to be alive. That's the shadow of death coming around you. That's the devil using all kinds of circumstances and all kinds of nasty things going on. Friends who betray you. Friends who say nasty things about you nasty stuff going on in the world, depressing things going on in the world, and they just begin to flood into you and get in you. Disappointments all over the place. Scary situations coming up in the financial area or in the job front or whatever it might be. And it just begins to try and sap you of your desire for life. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of of death. What's it say? I will fear no evil. 
I will fear no evil. I'm not going to be to a place where I'm going to... Well, oh, this could happen. Oh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of recession, I will fear no job loss. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of national health insurance, I will fear no loss. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of increasing deficits, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of world governments, the end of the world as we know it. Whatever it is that we walk through, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. won't say that there isn't evil around to be felt. I mean, even though there's evil around, if you want to feel it, there's evil that's around. But I will fear no evil. And he says, why? For they, for though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. For you are with me. Now, I put this in your outline. This is all in the Father's presence. This is where we feel the Father's presence. The Father's presence does great things for us. Just as sheep know that the shepherd being present provides a number of things. Someone is watching out over us. There's comfort in the shepherd's voice being around. Provides a lot of things for the, for the sheep. You know, just like you have little animals. And they get, they, they get excited about being around your presence. They miss you when you're not there. They like it, especially dogs. I don't know about cats exactly, but I know dogs are that way. I mean, I, sometimes Christian and I, we had to go out to the wood store and pick up some stuff or we got to go out somewhere and we had to lock a little tucker up. And we can come back in five minutes, we can come back in an hour. The dog is just as excited to see him come back. It's like he was gone for days. And he runs around and he yipes and he makes noises and he's excited because his Christian is home. He's back. He made it. And he goes out there and he finds his toy and he brings his toy up to him. He's just excited to have him on home. He just that's what it is. We just get excited because the Father's around us. He's always around us. He's here. Fear does not come on me because of what I see around me. Understand that. Fear does not come on me because of what I see around me. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Fear comes on us because of what I don't see on the inside of me. That's why fear comes. Fear comes because of a lack of what's on the inside of me, not a presence of what is around me. That's what the, that's what the whole thing is. Just know that, that presence that is around you. I've got God on my side. I'm not going to fear. I don't have to fear. doesn't mean you do stupid stuff and not fear. It just means you got the presence of God with you. Whatever situation you get in, wherever it is that you're walking, glory to God. I fear no evil. Fear does not come on me because of what I see around me. It comes on because of what I don't see on the inside of me. Build up the image of God on the inside of you and fear will go out. How many times you see those movies, you know, the little kids getting beat up by somebody at school and so they take them out for lessons on how to defend yourself. And the more that that little kid gets schooled and how to defend himself and he feels more confident of it, he becomes less afraid of the bully. 
Nothing is changing on the outside. What is changing is what's on the inside. That's what keeps fear away. If we have fear, it's not a greatness of our circumstances. It's a lack on the inside. So every time we feel fear about disease, about economies, about governments, about whatever it might be, the fear is a lack on the inside. Build up what's on the inside. Don't ask God to take away the circumstances on the outside. Build up what's on the inside. Jesus stood up in the presence of the storm. He wasn't afraid because of what was in him. He says, peace be still. But he never picked up that fear that the disciples had because of what was on the inside of him. So, he goes on to say, let's read it again, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There are two functions of the rod and the staff here. One of the functions is to put down the enemy. With that rod, the shepherd can, can beat up on things. It's a weapon. It's a weapon he can use against things that would come against the sheep. And he would use it as such. They were pretty good at using those rods. Probably in the off time, they're practicing. Doing, making different moves and doing things they can do with that rod. Because one of the things you can do with it is put down the enemy. And that's one function that God will do. He will put down the enemy. He'll teach us how to put down the enemy. But that is the thing that our God can do. It's also to pull up the sheep after they fall. Sheep aren't all that good. But I don't know how they ever survived outside of shepherds. Because if they fall, you got to get them up. you got to help them up. They're not real, real intelligent. They don't really know where to go or how to do things. They just kind of wander around until something eats them. About all that they do. They, they, they have no method of self-defense. They, there's no speed. I mean, some things that have no self-defense like a gazelle. They're not made to defend themselves, but they sure can run away. Sheep can't run. All the things that hunt them are faster than they are. It's not like anything that's coming after a sheep has to look for the weakest one or the one that's on the outside. They can pick anyone they want. That one's fat over there. Let's get that one. <laughs> they don't need to. All they have to look out for is the shepherd. Sheep just, uh, you know, left to themselves, they're going to get wiped out. I don't know how they survived all these years. Has to be, there must have been shepherd right from the beginning. So you put down an enemy and you can pull up a sheep after they fall. Because you've got to get them up. You don't want to have them laying down all the time. So those are the two functions of the rod and the staff. So the rod and the staff, they comfort me. Well, I know if there's an enemy that's coming along that's bigger than me, that God will be out there to help. We saw many times where God shows up, an enemy bigger than Israel was coming against them, and He says, stand back, let my rod do the work. And He goes out there and takes His rod out. The army of Egypt is trailing them. They have nothing to defend themselves. God says, that's alright, let my rod do the work. And He beats up on the Egyptians. And He beats up on the other enemies. There are other times that He sends them in to do the fighting. But there are times when it was just too much for them, and He says, that's alright, Stand aside. My rod will get this one done. So his rod and staff, they, they comfort us. I understand that he can put down enemies and he can pick me back up again when I fall, when I stumble. That's the things that he can do. And understand, that's, that's his goal. The rod 
and the staff that he has in his hand, it's not there to beat us up and lift up the enemy. It's there for the very opposite. It's there to lift us up and to put down the enemy. So whenever we see the rod in the hand of the shepherd, just think of it as far as the shepherd is concerned. What's he going to do with it? How's he going to use that rod? This is what he's what he's going to do. He's if he's going to, you know, bump a sheep with a rod. You know, you don't go over that way. Go over this way. He's not going to bump that sheep with a rod like he does a wolf. With a wolf, he's looking to hurt the thing. He's looking to to cause a great effect upon that wolf. But upon the sheep, he just wants to discipline. You know, get over here. Get over here where you're supposed to be. There's a difference in that. But sometimes people look at God as if He comes after them with His rod as if He's coming after a wolf. That's not our God. He doesn't do that. He comes after the enemy in that way, but He does not come after us. Now let's take a look at the Father's protection. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Understand this about this verse of Scripture. This is sometimes a misunderstood thing. The shepherd does not invite the enemies. Shepherd doesn't invite the enemies. The shepherd doesn't say, Come on, sheep. Come on in here. I want to have some dinner prepared here for you. But I also want to bring out the wolves and the bears. Just want to let you know I'm inviting the wolves. I'm inviting the bears to come on out. I want to feed them too. So we're going to bring them out of the table. And I'm going to have you there. But don't worry, I'll be there. And the sheep and the bears. Is the shepherd concerned about feeding the wolves? He has no concern about feeding the wolves. Does the shepherd care about feeding the bears? No concern about that. The lion comes along. Is he concerned about feeding the lion? Remember David talks about his days of a shepherd? What was his view of a lion? Did he invite the lion to come and eat with the lamb? No, he, he starts talking about uh, this to Saul. And he says, Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear because they came after my sheep. Just, like the, just in the same way, I'll kill this Goliath. Same way I killed the bear, same way I killed the lion, I'll kill this one. But this is our God's view on things. But sometimes we have the idea that, well, I need, they're my enemy. I need to invite them out, have dinner with me. I need to do some nice things with my enemy and bring them on out. No, this is not what this is teaching. This shepherd, his goal is to keep the wolves, the lions, and the bears away from the sheep. He is not trying to lead the sheep to the, to the den of the bears, to where the lions are laying down, to where the wolves are all packed together. He's not trying to do that. He is taking the sheep where they need to go and making sure that the enemies of the sheep get away and are used the rod for that purpose if need be. But he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even though the enemies are present. That's really how this this should be understood. The enemies are present around, but even though they're present, you prepare a table before me. So in the same way, that a sheep can come into the green pastures and eat. And as a sheep, does a sheep sit there and worry? Oh, there might be wolves in the hills. Might be lions up in the hills. 
Maybe one of those bears is just waiting behind that rock to come out and get me. No. What's the sheep do? When a, when the shepherd brings them to the green pastures, the sheep eats. Doesn't eat looking around, making sure the enemies aren't coming so they can run away because the sheep's not going to run away anyway. It's too slow. When the sheep comes in to drink, it's not looking around for the enemies, but the shepherd is. So even though we are in the presence of enemies, the shepherd keeps an eye out. And the shepherd alerts the sheep. Sometimes the shepherd calls, Come on, sheep, get in here. Because the danger might be around. Or something is going on. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even though enemies are present, have the confidence to know your God is a shepherd. And He's watching over you. You can sit on down and eat a meal. Even in the presence of enemies. It's alright. You anoint my head with oil. This is the preparation for the meal. You anoint my head with oil. This is just preparation for the meal. My cup runs over. The shepherd has the idea. He doesn't want your cup just to be full. He wants it to run over. That's the kind of abundance that the shepherd has. shepherd doesn't look around and say, well, look at all these green fields that are out there. Let's take them over to these green fields because they're not so green. There's not as much grass there. Let's take them on over to that one. Let's take them over to this brook because it's not got as much water in it as this one over here. We don't want to have them have too much. Too much is it's just too much. Nah, let's not do that. He's not, he's not out there to do those kind of things. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Well, we have the presence of God that is all around us. We have the protection of God that's all around. He stands guard while the sheep eat. And we have the Father's privilege. He anoints our head in preparation for a feast. There's privileges that come from being in the sheepfold, from listening to the shepherd, from following His voice. Now, the, the Word says that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, doesn't it? Isn't that what the Word of God says? Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what it says. But what's the world, world say? The world says bad luck and judgment are around every corner. Isn't that what we expect? Bad luck and judgment around every corner. Every time something bad happens, well, you're being judged for something that you did. You obviously missed it and God's bringing judgment on you. And bad luck comes along. Well, bad luck just always seems to find me. Just seems like if I have any luck at all, it's bad luck. There's that he call song again. That was a funny song. Y'all, y'all remember that one from? You know, you th- say to some people that are too young, they won't even know what in the world is he call. What in the world is that? If I say that to my son, he has absolutely no idea. What is he call? I don't know what that is. What do you mean bad luck? If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> That's a lot of times what we're, what we're thinking about and how we view the world. Gloom, despair, agony. It's all around me. That's what I expect. As soon as it happens, all right, that's good. That's the way that it should be. There was some show the kids were watching some time ago, one of the comedy shows that was on, and the, the husband was there, and he was so afraid because something good happened. Something good happened. He says, oh, I know. It, something bad has to happen. 
And he just kept walking around in fear. About, so I know something bad has to happen. And when finally something bad happened, he was relieved. There it is. It's here. Finally. It took a long time, but it's finally here. Now I can relax. You can't have something good happen without something bad happening as well. That's how a lot of people look at things. But that's not what it says here. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Whenever we get into those spells and it doesn't seem like things are going good and it seems like things are going bad and the enemy puts thoughts in our head of fear and we begin to envision the future and it's not so rosy and it's not so good and we begin to have this dominate our prayer life and we begin to pray to God and just complain and gripe and moan and oh God, it's so hard. Oh, it's so difficult. Oh, I don't know if I can continue. And it dominates our prayer life. And it dominates our study life. We have to go into the Word of God and find verses that help pick us up out of this funk that we're in. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, Father God, give me something from Your Word. Lift me up. Oh, do something to help me out on this thing because I'm just barely making it. Barely getting along. I don't know if I can continue. It's so hard. Oh, I don't know what tomorrow... Tomorrow's probably going to bring worse news. Tomorrow's probably going to bring harder things than I faced yesterday. Oh, it's just so bad. It's so hard. Oh, Father God, help me out. And if we get through tomorrow, we get into our prayers. Oh, Father God, it was so hard to get through the day, but thank you for helping me get through. I just know tomorrow's going to be harder yet. It's just going to be difficult. Oh, give me, give me the help that I need to get through tomorrow. Just like you gave me the help to get through. We're just looking at barely getting along. That's not cup running over. That's not preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's not though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's not thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's none of those things. We get that attitude because we have lost the view of the shepherd. We don't see Father as a shepherd. We see him as a disciplinarian. We see him as a get-evener. A person who's going to even things up. You've had too many good things going on for you. We've got to bring some bad stuff in just to keep it even. Just to bring it all about. No, he says here, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me most of the days of my life. All the days of my life. Oh, that means today. That means tomorrow. That means the next day. That means even today, if you think, you're saying here, well, goodness and mercy weren't following me today. I can think of some things that went on. Goodness and mercy weren't following me today. Today was a hard day. Today was a tough day. Are you going around saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Get up tomorrow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That means today. Today, goodness and mercy are following me. That means when you get done breakfast and you head out to work, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my goodness and mercy. But we have this judgment mentality. Oh, I blew it yesterday. I know I sinned yesterday. I know I sinned this morning. Oh, something's going to come along. God's got to even it up. God's got to bring that back down on me. No, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all 
the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell, not visit. Places that you visit, you don't stay there forever. Have you ever had guests you thought were going to stay forever? They didn't. They eventually left. Guests leave. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell. I make my dwelling there. I walk on in. This is my house. I live here. I live here in the house with God. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not going to come back one day and all of a sudden, hmm, God says, I'm not real pleased with you living here. You messed up yesterday. I think you should move out for a little while. He doesn't do that. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of you catch me on the, on the side sometime. You can ask me to play a song for you. How many remember that song, uh, Cats in the Cradle? Any remember that song? It was, I mean, it's a secular song, but it got played enough times in enough movies and stuff like that. You know, the song about the father who's always busy at work and the son's growing up and he had them when he's a little baby and then, you know, kind of teenage years and son's asking for this and, well, I don't have time now, but I'll do it soon. And pretty soon the son's married and gone off and, and all that sort of stuff. Well, somebody did a, a parody on it. Oh, it's hysterical. I kept it, I saved it on my computer because I thought, oh, this is so fun. They really put some thought into it. And they completely switched it around to a completely other uh, the meeting. And the idea was my son's 40 years old. He still lives in the house. He still won't keep his room clean. I can't seem to get rid of him. No matter what mom and I do, he's still around. And then we finally got him to you know find an interesting girl. And they're, they're working on it. And they finally got him married. And they finally get him married. And they're seeing him going off. And the end of the song goes off that uh, uh, they, uh, as we see him pulling away, he says, it occurs to me he still has a front door key. <laughs> uh, it's a funny song. So if you ever see me down with a computer on or something like that, I'll see if I can pull that up for you. But it was, it was funny. But sometimes we get that idea that God's just going to say, you know, you've overstayed your welcome. You're not welcome here anymore. You've done this. You've done that. This has been going on. Get out. No, he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's the shepherd. The shepherd does never, never one time comes up with any of the sheep and say, you know what, sheep? You've been bad. So you have to be outside the sheepfold. You have to dwell outside the sheepfold for a while. And after a day, I'll come back out there and get you. What will happen to that sheep? You probably get eaten up. Can't really defend himself. Can't really do much. Not much hope for a sheep outside the sheepfold with the shepherd. Not much going to happen with that. That's not how our God is. The Lord is my shepherd. David is describing how the how he sees the Father as a shepherd, and God still thought so much of it. He put it into the Word of God. He says, "Yeah, that's it. He captured it. That's what I'm like. That's what I'm like." The Lord is my shepherd. He might be your shepherd too, but He's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. There is never any time in my life I will ever be in want of anything because the Lord is my shepherd. 
You know, He takes me to the greenest of pastures. He takes me to places where I look out and everything I could possibly want to eat is there. It's green all the way around. That's where He takes me. He leads me beside some still water because, you know, sheep, they're not real good at drinking from fast water. They need still water. He leads them by the still water. Oh, there's that water. Just pure water. Just, oh, it's good water. I can get in there and get a drink. He restores my soul. He comes in and He says things to me. Lifts up my spirits. He restores my soul. He doesn't tear me down. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Every place I go that He leads me, I will bring honor to Him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear any evil because the shepherd is with me. My shepherd. He's with me. He even goes and He prepares a table before me. Even though all the enemies that want to devour me are all around, I can sit at that table and I can eat and not be in the least bit concerned. He anoints my head with oil. He prepares me for the meal. My cup runs over. As much as I need, I have. And more. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life because it's the Lord who's my shepherd. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. His house is my residence. His house is where I stay. That's where I dwell. The Lord is my shepherd. Is this the way that you view God? Is this the way that you view the Father? Is this how you see Him? He will lead me to dwell, not to visit. Bad luck and judgment are not not around every corner. Is this the way the Spirit of the Father is leading you? 23rd Psalm is probably one of the most well-known Psalms of all. Many people have it memorized and can recite it. How tragic it is to know the 23rd Psalm so well and not know the Father. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Mm. That's whom we serve. Father, we thank you. You are our shepherd. You are our father. You are our shepherd. You have good things intended for us. You let us know that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life be marked with goodness and mercy. Goodness, good things that come upon us. Mercy, what we deserve doesn't happen. (laughs) Glory to God. Look at all those sheep down there in the 
field eating and the shepherd up there watching over them. What they deserve is to be food for the enemy. But the shepherds make sure that that's not what happens. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Father, we're so glad to be able to dwell in your house forever and ever. As we walk in this way to be led by our spirit, to overcome the things we face in this world through the power of the spirit, sure helps to know who our Father is. Because as we know you, we know how your Spirit would lead us. And this psalm describes it so well. Help us to always keep 23rd Psalm down as this is who my God is. My Shepherd. My Savior. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.